Welcome to Banner Ops, where no topic is off limits. I'm Zero, and I'm your host in this episode. And today we're exploring the realm of artificial intelligence. We're going over that technology that's not just influencing, but it's often driving modern innovation, ethics, and human potential. So we're going to go over how it's impacting our lives, where it's headed, and what we should be aware of. Uh, but before we dive into the topic, guys, um, I want to go over a brief history of AI just so everybody's on the same level. So we'll start with conceptualization, right? Thinking um, ancient history and to the 20th century. So the idea of artificial beings with intelligence, it's an ancient thought process. Uh, think about the Jewish tales of the golem, those inanimate objects with sentience. Then we go into the formalization, the 20th century, where in the 30s and 40s, you had Alan Turing, who developed the Turing machine, that theoretical construct that played a key role in the conceptual foundation of AI and his Turing test. Uh, then you move into the early years, the 50s and 70s, where you had a lot of optimism that led to the prediction that AI could surpass human intellect. Uh, then we had those AI winters, like the 70s and 90s, where it went through some periods of stagnation, you know, uh, reduced funding. A lot of those uh, initial AI efforts just really had no fruition. Uh, and then you have the Renaissance period, which is kind of where we're at today. The rise of the internet, growth in data, more advanced algorithms, uh, these huge data centers and factories, right? So that's kind of where we're at now. So that brings me into our first question. So what sparked y'all's interest in the field of AI? And how have you seen it evolve over the years? The Again, you kind of said AI is an old subject, right? It's been in a lot of movies. And it's always kind of been portrayed as like some villainous thing, right? So AI, like Skynet, typical, oh, yeah. like, you know, Terminator, right? Oh, AI is going to be the end of us all, right? It's going to turn on us, right? You have the laws of robotics, right? The whole thing to try and like prevent that. You have movies like Eagle Eye, right? Shia LaBeouf movie, super underrated. If you haven't seen Eagle Eye, it is actually really fun. Go check it out. It is a good movie. Uh, so I guess that kind of like that villainous thing kind of sparked my interest in it. But now it's kind of turning into something else. And I guess we'll get to that later. But I guess that was probably what sparked my initial interest, how it's turned from this nebulous thing to now things that will write your papers for college. <laughs> <laughs> Buttons, what kind of got you into AI? It's along the same kind of thing, right? Like you were talking about the... Um the dark ages, right? Or whatever you, you called it of AI. I kind of, you know, it just kind of like slipped my mind up until recently when, you know, the, the explosion of like chat GPT and, and things like that. Sorry, most of your years were in the AI winters, right? <laughs> yeah. Fucking asshole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think the big thing that got me into it recently was Dolly, the, uh, the image processing AI. That was cool. So, Boomer, what are your thoughts on AI? So, I was introduced to ChatGPT by Zero. That's actually what got me interested in AI, and that was like a couple months ago. I actually wanted to use ChatGPT to write a storyboard, or really, I was looking for a solution to write a storyboard for a motorcycle film that I wanted to use buttons in. Uh, I was getting into this whole filmography thing where I wanted to actually create little... 30 second commercials or montages, whatnot. And uh, open up ChatGPT. I said, write me a storyboard for a motorcycle commercial. And it literally typed everything out for me and it blew my mind. Also, with that aspect, it was like, cool, give me an idea for like a school project. And it gave me all the particulars for it. And that's when I was sold that AI is freaking the future. I was super impressed with that. Now I use ChatGPT. I ask questions to it and it gives me the answers. 
I no longer use Google now. I use ChatGPT to kind of give me some information. Yeah, it's it's a great research tool. I love using it for that. So for me, um, back when I bought my house in San Antonio, when I was doing a lot of the home automation stuff, right, like turning on and off lights, I was getting into smart switches. I bought a Wink Hub to control everything, and then finding out that uh, different protocols didn't work with each other, which is why I had to get the Wink Hub, like Zigbee um, and stuff like that. So that's what I that's when I kind of got more into AI, if you will, is, is a lot of the automation aspects of it. So do y'all think there's any been, been any like societal or, or cultural perspectives that have influenced the direction of AI and acceptance of AI? Definitely the acceptance has been influenced, right? Because like I said, those <clears throat> the, the way we kind of painted it back in the day when we didn't really delve in, I guess, the dark ages, as you described it, when the greater population had no fucking idea what AI was. So now that it's becoming a thing, I talk to people, usually of an older generation, right, who look at AI and they're like, ugh, this is the devil that's going to bring about the end of the world, right? <laughs> they're scared of ChatGPT. Literally a friend of mine, she's uh, she's older, right? But I used to work with her. I went to go visit her. Like I had seen her in like 10 years. And we happened to stumble on AI. And she's fucking terrified. She thinks it's literally going to be like the like mark of the devil, kind of like revelations kind of shit coming. Wow. I think yeah. we're all actually waiting for fembots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so do, do y'all use uh, AI? Uh, have you integrated that into your lives anyway? Well, Boomer has. Yeah, like I said, I use ChatGPT to answer questions about anything. Uh, for example, I used it recently. I'm, I'm part of a, the American Pool Players Association, uh, APA, and I'm part of a team in San Antonio. And there's a lot of rules when it comes to APA. Instead of Googling the rules for APA and whatnot, and then reading through various documents and trying to come up with a solution there and all that kind of stuff, I literally just asked ChatGPT, which you can get the app on your phone now and it gives me all the, the descriptions of the rules when it pertains to this specific type of thing so like it'd be like hey on a break if an eight ball goes in in apa does that win or do i lose or whatever and it's so intelligent that it will take the rule set that it's privy to on the internet and actually give me an explanation on how that that scenario would work out according to the rules and it's so efficient on to just like give me that information that I really needed at that time than me researching in doing hours upon hours of just research and how do I implement this, asking people and all that kind of stuff. And it just gave it to me within like 20 seconds. So that's how I use it. Like I said, I, I use it more than Google now when it comes to answering questions. Yeah, wasn't it just recently given access to the internet, right? I'm looking it up right now. Uh, ChatGPT's data is good up to January 2022, uh, GPT-4. Um, but something really cool about GPT-4 is if you give it a link to a website, it can actually scan the data from that link. And learn and add it to its repository. So, so I don't know if it adds it, but it, it, it will give you like more current information that you give it. Well, yeah, like it was, but it was actually recently given real-time access to the internet wow. uh, as of huh. well this article was written on the 28th of oh September. yeah so that maybe that's yeah ace very soon so being me right i'm currently finishing up my college degree obviously there are ethics things new the academic use policies and like the plagiarism policies are now updating to now include the fact like hey none of your work can contain any text that was generated by ai 
but it doesn't say you can't use AI to do research. It just says you can't use any text like copy pasted, which is fine, right? You just word it, paraphrase it. So I 100% use papers or use AI to like help me understand concepts like cyber law and shit. And I'm like, I'm not gonna fucking read that deep shit. Like ChatGPT, like summarize. Give me what I need me. to know. Yeah, give me the fucking the meat and potatoes of this that I really need to know so I can parse out the legalese. And it's so fucking good at that. Hell, I, I had a paper that literally was like a case study. It's just like, hey, take this fucking document, this fucking story about some company who got attacked. And I was like, hey, chat GPT, read this and tell me how it, how this law applies to this. And it like was like, oh, yeah. So in this, like it even was giving me like details about the company. Like it read that entire case study in less than a second and was like, yeah, this law applies to this here, 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 here. I'm like, fucking God. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't wait for the military to start using it for like, uh, uh, like a lot of doctrine and stuff that takes us, you know, fucking how long to write, you know, you're talking years to write con ops and con ops and, and all this kind of stuff. But, but if we gave it all of our con ops, con ops, our manuals, everything like that, and we're like, Hey, I need you to write a new con op con amp manual on this using this format that we've given you thousands of documents on and, right. and boom done you know s- save so many people so much time which takes a lot of jobs away right uh, quickly back to academia really quick i think something like because of this effect right where chat gpt is now like doing this i think the time of essays is coming to an end as like an academic graded measurement yeah. even if even if i didn't like use you know chat gpt which i'm saying i didn't it's so hard to now to detect ChatGPT stuff in papers. The only thing, the only real thing that these detectors can detect is whether the language is too uh, flowery, right? Like if the language is too sophisticated, right? Because ChatGPT writes in a very sophisticated tone by default, unless you tell it not to. And that's all they do, right? As long as you talk more human, right? And you put in more speech errors, it's very, or like grammatical errors or like lingo. It's very hard for it to detect. So I think the day of essays as a creative measurement are going away. Like you soon will see that colleges aren't going to ask for essays anymore. Yeah, it's going to be more applied to uh, work. Yep. Uh, for those of you that didn't understand what a con op or a con amp is, a con op stands for concept of operations and a con amp is concept of employment. Good, good call. How we operate and then how we employ a, a tool. Like the how. Like the like, kind of like the technical manual. Uh, less on that, mo- mo- not at a tactical level, but how we're going to operate. Like so, um, if, if we're going to operate the F thirty five, right? Like how are we going to use that in in war? What is what is its operational purpose? Air to air, air to ground, you know those type of things. Uh, whereas concept of employment is how we're going to use that tool to make that operation happen. So with AI continuing to advance, um, how do we see, and I already alluded to this, how do we see the job landscape changing? And, and what sector do you think is going to be the most affected? I have a lot on this one. I, one of the, the landscapes changing, I think, would be fast food. I think there shouldn't be a need for cashiers now, in my opinion. We're already seeing it right now where you can order through kiosks. Or you can even order online via an app on your smartphone. Or you can just go ahead and pick it up whenever you get there. I think what would be nice, a nice change, which I think somebody will go ahead and do this, is drive throughs That still needs a person there. But we have technology that recognizes speech. 
has anyone heard of Siri? <laughs> right? right. So if we had a kiosk at a drive-through that I can go talk, say, hey, I want a cheeseburger, no onions, or a number two, and it automatically knows the number two is this. And then it just kind of goes through the system. And then you pay. Everyone pays with a card now. I have rarely seen people pay with cash. And there are some people there. And maybe you need one employee to actually man a cash register if they want to pay that way. Right? But you don't need four or five. And so if that gets there, then we can definitely eliminate a lot of, I don't want to say wasted employees, but a lot of inefficiencies when it comes to fast food. Yeah. How many times has my order been wrong? You know, I'm like, exactly. Right. Like I think I, I think 20% of the time I make an order at any fast food, it's always jacked up. So that's fast food. The other one I think that might be affected is uh, customer service. If we actually had AI that could understand my issue as opposed to an automated telephone thing, and that can actually point me into the right direction or really understand my situation when it comes to any problem with any product, that'd be nice. And I think that could be a good change in the landscape. Self-driving cars, getting more sophisticated. I think that will definitely change the auto industry. Uh, with that, we're already seeing electric cars being pushed by the U.S. government. But the beauty of that that I am looking forward to is self-driving, where I can still have the option of getting any car I want and drive it manually. But for commutes or long road trips, it'd be super nice to go ahead and just have that capability to go ahead and drive for me. I'll tell you this, with the change in auto industry, I think the airline industry would be more affected too, because... I think majority of people would prefer to drive more than to fly because there's so many restrictions with security. There's so many hassles when it comes to flying nowadays since 9-11 that it's just way easier to hop in a car and go there. And yeah, it might take longer, but at least I can stop whenever I want to. The seat in your vehicle is way more comfortable than the airline seat. I'm just saying that is probably going to be a huge change and it'd be interesting to see how the airline industry would change if self-driving cars became prominent. And then the fourth one that I think would be very, very huge is automatic language translation. My mom is Korean, full-blooded Korean, and talking with her is super difficult. She's not dumb, but I have to talk to her like she's a seven-year-old because that's the level of language she knows about English. And I know it's frustrating for her because she has all these ideas in her mind that she can get across via Korean, but she can't explain it to me. And so she's kind of mentally trapped with just a seventh grade English knowledge on expressing that. And I mean, imagine how frustrated you would be if you cannot get your point across to someone that's not on the same language level. It's every day talking with y'all. Damn. Ah, fuck <laughs> off. But like, get that? So I think that is also going to be a huge thing. And what I think that would open up for the change of a landscape would be global communication. So wouldn't it be cool if we had, like on this podcast, someone from China to tell us, hey, how's everyday life in China? Is the government really good? Are you taken care of? And actually have that communication that's raw and not filtered. Oh, definitely filtered by China. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be filtered through a language processing, but it's the raw thought that counts. No, yeah, yeah. 
Wouldn't that be freaking amazing? Cool. Yeah. Be awesome. Yeah. I, I think, um, and I already said this earlier with, with writing uh, military doctrine is yeah. Policymakers. If I can have this thing, write this hundred page Congress, right? Think about Congress is going out of business because I can write policy and stuff and, and put in the things that I want and it just generates it for me. The writing aspect, maybe not the thought process, but but may, maybe there too, like, right? Like depending on how, if we ever get to a, a general AI that can really mimic uh, human emotion, that it, it could take those things into in consideration. Who knows? We're, we're all going to be Wally. Have you seen the movie Wally? Yeah. Yeah. We're all just sitting in fucking chairs and <laughs> with our little bones. Yep. <laughs> so interesting buttons do you have anything to go off before i uh, go into my tirade yeah i think uh to some extent our jobs like low level uh analysis uh, i mean i guess if it gets even better maybe even like mid-level high level analysis right i mean think of how easy uh, i don't want to like give it away right because you know we get paid right but you know low level analysis like cyber defense is it's not difficult well, I think the technology is already there, right? Just, I mean, it is. Yeah, definitely. Just employing it appropriately and yeah. figuring out how to scale it on a, on massive networks that we have. Yeah. Um, I think eventually, like, maybe only offensive ops will be led or operated by humans. I don't know. Probably. No, that's ac- that's really good. Because right now, right, even like DCO, you basically already run off of a seam, which those of you who aren't aware, a seam is basically a piece, a tool that takes all of the data in your network, like all of the different like sensors that are detecting like the health of your network and collates it into one really easy to view like dashboard that basically says everything is good or hey, something is bad. Go look at this. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and basically, defense operator not minimizing your job but your primary job 90 percent of the time is to watch the dashboard yeah, yeah then see if anything is bad once it turns bad though then you go and you do the hard shit yeah yeah, yeah. once i mean yeah i'm not i'm not saying like all the whole job right but like yeah like i said basic analysis right right and for those of you that don't know what a seam or dco are seam s-i-e-m stands for security information and event management that's a tool and then DCO is defensive cyber operations. Sorry. <laughs> I say, I'm so used to using acronyms, man. I hate it. Yeah, we're, we're going to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> but to Boomer's point, actually, I have, I have thoughts for literally every thought you said. <laughs> so fast food, right? So you, I would like to get rid of the entire fast food industry being manned by people. Like, I think the whole process should be automated. Not just like the ordering process, but the production process as well. Because I don't need a person to sit there and wait a minute and a half for the fries to be done. A computer, freaking robot arm, can take yeah. the fries and prep them in perfect portions, right? And then deliver me my large fucking fry from McDonald's <laughs> and not give me the one. Or I could be like, hey, no salt, right? You could use that voice generation in the speaker. Be like, hey, no easy ice, blah, blah, blah. And it'll actually like use easy ice instead of being like, oh, you meant extra ice? Like yeah. the whole production process needs to be automated. Get rid of fast food being manned by people. Does it get rid of jobs? Yes. But let's talk about like how when people don't have to fill low level jobs, it allows them to move up and get more skilled labor. And then we get better people doing better things for society. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to talk about that too. Like about the fear of losing jobs. Like I'm sure. You know, when the combine was invented, everybody's like, oh, you know, all the farm jobs are going to go away or, you know what I mean? Like, 
with it with any piece of technology right that comes out that that seriously um reduces you know human labor right i'm sure people freaked out about the number of jobs are going to be lost and right like you said it it, it advances society as a whole right and we, we figure right. it out and we move on yeah why why should we cater to a lower bar let's raise the bar for society as a whole like sorry if all you can do is flip burgers and give me fries you might not be that useful in society. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> that's, that's, that's fucking harsh, but I'm just but, saying. I, mean, I get I think, it. I think, but <laughs> I think my, my point was like people will find other jobs, right? Right. <laughs> not that you're good. Not that. Not that you're gonna die if if all you can do is flip burgers and you shouldn't exist. But <laughs> yeah, in- industry altering technology usually creates more jobs in other sectors. Yeah. And I could already hear the, the discourse that this conversation is cause will cause, right? And yes, this is taking completely out of the situation, the social net situation that we have right now, where like people need living wages, completely segregating that from this conversation. That is a completely separate situation that is really deep. And I don't really feel like getting into right now, but just assume as the listener that people will be taken care of, right? And be allowed to actually self-actualize. Eventually we'll get our shit together. Uh, <laughs> they'll take well, yeah, because because AI is going to improve even lower level quality of life, right? Yeah, you know, like now you're going to be able to have AI in you know in, in Section Eight housing or whatever it might be that that assists them with maybe certain functions that that housing doesn't landscaping maybe I don't know what it is, right? Helping but, you learn a new skill, teaching you how to do things to be more skilled so that you can provide better. No, not only that, but once it becomes ubiquitous, right? Like. That lowers the that lowers the production costs, right? Yep. So then things become cheaper. So maybe you don't need you know a crazy job to afford the necessities, right? Right. Yep. Um, you know, like just like the farm tool example, right? You don't need thousands of workers now. You got a machine, one machine that does everything. I don't, right. I, I, I'm not ex- expert, so I don't know how much that reduced, <laughs> you know, food costs, but I'm sure it did eventually, right? Well, which pulls us into the next discussion um, with all of this, which is ethics and regulation that play uh, in the development uh, and deployment of AI. So what roles do you think those ethics and regulations play? Um, so counterpoint to what you said, right? Well, you kind of you kind of danced around it. You kind of moved a little back and forth. Policy, right? You have bodies like Congress that are deciding how human race within that country should perform. I don't think that's a job for AI. I think that's a job for humans. Because even you can program an AI to be like a human, right? You can get it really fucking close, but you can't teach an AI empathy. You can't teach an AI how to think like a human, how to feel like a human. You can approximate yeah. it. Yeah, which goes into the, there are two different types of AI for those that don't know. Um, there's what's known as narrow AI, which is really what all AI is right now. It's the um, simple algorithms. They they have predefined roles and specific contexts. They don't possess consciousness or emotions, and, and that's what we use right now is narrow AI or, or weak AI. So Siri and Alexa. Um, then you have what we have not gotten to. Right? It's it's all theoretical. Doesn't exist yet. But that's general AI. So those are systems that use human cognitive abilities uh, that can, when when they're presented with an unfamiliar task, when they have not been trained on. It can find a solution without human intervention. Interestingly enough, uh, ChatGPT4 teetered on that, is this actually general AI? 
Um, it was determined that it was not general AI, but it, it's the closest thing that we have so far. And I, I think that speaks volumes to as much as that we're as much as we're using it, that that's as close as we're gotten so far. But when we get to general AI, it should be able to mimic human emotions. Now, again, we're, we're in we're in theoretical, uh, the theoretical first, if you will. Um, so how well it will be able to do that? Can we program it to be more empathetic, less empathetic? Do you have multiple AIs that argue with each other because one is empathetic, one's not? I don't know. One of the, one of the things that I saw philosophical. Why can't I say that word? This is what happens. You get dumb people. Stop talking about smart shit. <laughs> um, philosophical uh, dilemma about what happens, if, like like uh, Boomer, when you're talking about AI taking over cars. What happens if situation, right? Dilemma, right? Where you know, like the, the whole, the whole, um, what is that? The trolley on the tracks, where yeah. you have like five people. You have a dilemma, right? Like the track splits. You have a choice of killing five people or one person. Right. What does the AI do in that case? Right. Like, yeah, I mean, but like to, to, to you, yeah, one person, but to, to that person, it's a way bigger fucking deal. Right. Well, maybe, maybe that, maybe that case is too simple. Right. Maybe it's five and four or a family versus four dudes. Well, I guess, you know, today it could be four dudes, a family, but you get what I'm trying to say. Right. You know, four friends versus a family of four. You think you can make that decision that quickly? No, no, but, but I'm not held on, on, you know, I'm not held to that standard, right? I'm not, I don't think I am, right? Like an AI, I think is going to be held to a different, maybe not a higher standard, but a different standard, right? Like who programmed that AI? Why did they make it choose or why? I, I don't know. Like just, you know, just, it's just a question that I thought of, right? Who should be responsible when AI goes yeah, yeah, wrong? Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Is Who's, it the developers, the users, the regulators? Right. Like, yeah. like who, who's like in, in the case of the, of the trolley, right. If you're the one making that decision, you're the one responsible. But yeah. if you have an AI making that decision. Ooh. So this is actually funny. Uh, I think it wasn't too long ago that um, there was a, a guy who had a Tesla that their Tesla has a feature called smart summon rolled out in some areas. Basically you can stand somewhere and the car will come to you. Like if, as long as you're close enough, but the guy was in a parking lot. And he called the car towards him. The car in the parking lot ran a stop sign because it didn't recognize that it was a stop sign. It ran a stop sign and a cop pulled the empty car over. <laughs> who gets the ticket? Is it Tesla or is it the guy who drives the car that wasn't in the car? So technically he didn't break the law, but a law was broken. So is yeah. Tesla liable to pay that ticket? A very good question. Or should the cop just be like, well, was there any harm done? Maybe oh, I'll right. just let this go. <laughs> and, and then, right. And in the real, in the real world, that's exactly what happened. The cop was just like, oh, that's fucking weird. Right. And he just let it go. <laughs> but that was a human making that choice. Yeah. What, like, if, what if it hit a baby? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What if it killed someone? Right. Or what if, what if the cop was also AI? Oh, shit. Then that's oh. fine. AI-ception. <laughs> well, I like, I like, I like Buttons' answer, right? What if, what if the Tesla hit someone or maimed someone in the process? Who is liable? Is it the person who owned the Tesla that called the Tesla to him? Or is it Tesla for having an algorithm that didn't detect that person? Yeah. So I think any kind of regulation or ethics when it comes down to that, obviously the biggest one is safety. Yep. Um, yeah. That's mainly what regulation, at least from the government, is for anyway, or should only be. Should be. Right? 
that's the only regulation that should come out of it. But also, we have to understand that AI is programmed by humans, okay? And if we understand that people are inherently, quote unquote, bad or sinners, or we already talked about it in our previous episode, that they're selfish, right? We can be corrupted. There has to be regulation on making sure that any type of corruption or the programming of AI doesn't hurt humans as a whole in society. So I think that's kind of where my ideas are or my thoughts are on regulation and ethics. Yeah. So those those three laws of robotics that the hacker brought up, right? So the first rule is a robot may not injure a human being or through interaction, allow a human being to come to harm. The second rule is a robot must obey the orders given to it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. And then the third is a robot must protect its own existence, as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. But we're not there yet, right? Like we can't guarantee that a robot won't run over a child if the algorithm isn't processed that way. So we're not there yet. So then do you guys think there should be a universal law? A, a universal code of ethics for AI, or should you think it should be like varied by country, culture, maybe use case, maybe state, like do states regulate it? But I, th- I think right now we're kind of at, at state regulation, right? Um, and, and even then, it's not even defined as granular as it probably could be or should be. That's hard because ethics and morals change from person to person, from culture to culture, from country to country, right? Where do most people get their ethics and morals anyway? From their family, from from their friends, from religion. And if we have multiple religions and different cultures, those ethics can skew a lot. When it comes down to religion or Christianity, we have our Ten Commandments. That could be a basis of some, but that doesn't work well with maybe, I don't know, Hindus or Muslims. So universal ethics for AI, I think that'd be really difficult to come up with. I think that universal one's pretty good start though, right? Uh, like like a baseline of, of yeah. ethics. But then remember, did you guys ever see that? Um, what is that movie? I Am Legend? No, not I Am Legend. I, Robot. Yeah. Will Smith. Yeah. Where yeah. the robot was pretty much following those, the basic tenets or whatever they called, you know? Mm-hmm. But in following them, it was imprisoning all the people, right? Wasn't that what the, the, the whole movie was? It was imprisoning them? It was trying to live. It, it, yeah, it, it was the one that was like, it didn't have to follow the laws. But the concept is still sound, like where all the bad things that are hurting people are people. So then they imprison people to yeah, keep yeah. people from hurting people. Yeah, yeah. That's basically what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> Thanks, Boomer. <laughs> well, there was that recent story about um, a military simulation where they had an AI, full AI aircraft simulated aircraft i think that was supposed to go destroy a target and it was told uh no matter what happens destroy this target the operator that was controlling it told it to not destroy the target so it turned around and decided to fire at the operator to get its mission done yeah so so it's kind of crazy to think that that drone you know did that right if if it's not programmed properly it, it doesn't have to obey you know certain rules which which of course goes back into regulation and ethics um like what if the drone as it gets there detects that there's children there or there's a church or it's a funeral or it's a hospital or something like that and then does it get to make the determination of it's a hospital but it's also housing uh, combatants. combatants yeah yeah 
you know, or, or do we keep the human in the loop for that reason? So yeah, a lot, a lot of things there with ethics and regulations that are very difficult to determine. And I, I think more it's going to be on a use case basis, less of a, a country, but it's going to have to be on the specific technology. Yeah, Because some people might choose. They're like, oh, well, I'll give up my rights of recording my voice so that Siri can understand me better. Well, shit, like, they don't even have to give up the rights anymore. Have you seen all the um, the Joe Rogan ads? I, I think they're ads. I can't remember what I was watching. But basically, it's another channel that just uses Joe Rogan's voice and AI to like to narrate their videos. Oh, yeah. That deep fake kind of stuff where. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And they just take it. And, and, and they're probably in some country that doesn't have you know, or like won't extradite or, you know, something, right? So they don't give a shit. They're just like, yeah, I'm going to make it look like Joe Rogan fucking narrates my channel. That's pretty convincing. Think about that though too, right? Let's say you're a politician and then all of a sudden they said, well, Trump said this or Biden said that. And they're like, no, I didn't. I fucking eat babies. And AI is so good (laughs) at deep faking that, that it could cause like big, like political repercussions. Yeah. Well, think about a country that's like blocked off like uh, North Korea. Right. And they're like they're, they're trying to come up with an excuse to fire. Right. So they but they want to get their 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 citizens, you know, to 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 back them. So they're like, oh, yeah, look at what this country said. They're going to fire on us. And so they just show a deep fake video and you're like, holy smokes. I don't think North Korea is going to ask their people. If, yeah, it's true. Hey. It's not concerned about their. <laughs> Their opinion, right? But that, that but was I, an, I see uh, of a closed off society that doesn't saying, have though. access to the internet, right? <laughs> I know. I got you. The Americans <laughs> said that I didn't invent the hamburger. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh, I did. Look at this video that says <laughs> I invented it. So are there any breakthroughs on the horizon that you're excited about with AI? I'm excited about language processing for obvious reasons. I want to be able to communicate with my mom. I mean, she's 70 years old, so she doesn't have much time left on this earth. It would be really nice to pick her brain and just, I want to have like a week long just conversation with her to get all her thoughts and actually know her closer on a deeper level of who she is. I would love that. I hope that happens soon. I I know it's probably not at that level. I I don't know, but have you tried Google Translate? Yes, we use that all the time and it, it's, it works, but there's still the processing and the, the pace of language mm-hmm. uh, yeah. still gets hindered by that. Yeah. Okay. If it was like, like automated where I had an earbud, which I know that there is technology out there right now. It's still in the infancy, but where I have an earbud and, and I can talk to her and she hears it in real time of my translation in Korean and vice versa, where I can actually communicate like I'm communicating with you guys and it's seamless. That would be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like full on neural interfaces. Yeah. Dude, yeah, just fucking um Neuralink. Just get that fucking chip in your brain. Just let <laughs> let Elon put that shit in you. Let Elon experiment on you, dude. <laughs> I, I think it'd be really cool to have, yeah, to to where we get to neural interfaces where I can experience something that you experienced. Yeah. Right? Like, you're like, no, this was really bad for me. And you're like, what? I, I don't understand because you're saying it's not that bad. You're like, no. Boop. Yeah. You know, you, you send that experience over to me. I'm like, oh, man, that was, oh, wow. Is that or, like my or, Minority Report or like Black Mirror episode or something like that? Did they do something like that? No, I haven't seen the Black Mirror. But yeah, Minority Report's a different avenue, right? Where you try to predict wrongdoings, like where you use AI to predict crime before it That's happens. another thing, right? Yeah. That's some fucking crazy, scary stuff. 
or uh, if you're into Japanese anime, uh, the uh, Psycho Pass. No, it's a really good anime about that whole concept where you have people have tendencies to do things and they get judged as criminals and killed based on like we think you're about to do this. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a good anime, by the way. If you're into anime at all, it's I definitely recommend Psychopaths. That sounds like Minority Report. It it is, <laughs> uh, but different. And the the <laughs> twist of how like the system is set up is is cool. Yeah, yeah, some scary shit. Yeah. Quantum computing mixed with AI too. Oh, dude! I'm gonna talk about quantum computing, dude. Yeah, the moment that, that could get pretty. The moment <laughs> quantum computing become like comes online in an actually usable function, all encryption is done. Like encryption 100%. as we know it is what? done. So I think with that though, you'd get quantum encryption, wouldn't you? I mean, one's gonna come before the other, and I don't think it's gonna be in the way we want. You're you're absolutely right. Yeah. But quantum encryption, you'd also get. So hopefully those things would come pretty closely together. But it also depends on who, who uh, solves the problem first. For the, so for those of you who aren't like kind of break it down. So a lot of our encryption nowadays is based on doing like really complex math on really, really big prime numbers. Uh, so but for, for a normal computer, that math takes a very, very, very long time to try and do backwards. Try and get to unencrypt something. That's why. But if you had a quantum computer that can do shit at fucking lightning speed with super huge numbers, like it makes encryption trivial. There's there's a lot of cool things that AI is going to do for us as a as a culture. I mean, again, like, as we've seen simply with um, Chat GPT and how that's really changed a lot of the landscape of research and and, and stuff like that. Um, so, do you have any advice for young professionals or students that might be trying to get into the AI field? I don't know shit about AI, but uh, I can give like some basic life advice. Lead with integrity, you know, doing what's right, even when no one is looking is something that you can be proud of. It will also build your confidence and ultimately will keep you out of trouble or at least lessen your punishments. So when you're programming AI, just keep that in your, in your mind. Work hard at it, just like in anything else. Just don't neglect your friends and family. Uh, that's what I'm realizing in my older age. Uh, the job is never more important than your true relationships. So don't go down the rabbit hole of trying to work on this AI thing and think you're going to change the world. Just set time away because while AI can improve human life, nothing will replace your relationships and your experiences with your fellow uh, people. Uh, fight for respect and be compensated accordingly. Uh, if you're being treated unfairly, don't be a limp dick and go with it. Speak up and highlight the fallacy of it. You better just look in the mirror and make sure that you yourself didn't cause the unfairness first. Personal accountability is huge in my opinion. And then finally, surround yourself with people that have the same ambitions, morals, and ethics as you. Be humble, understand your ego and how it affects you and your decisions. Always be self-aware of what you're doing and thinking. All good. Yeah, so I got three. Um, stay curious, right? Build is rapidly evolving. Continuous learning is a must. Build foundations. Strong understanding of mathematics, programming, uh, and, and domain-specific knowledge. So if you're trying to develop AI for something like biology, right? So uh, bioinformatics uh, is beneficial. And then third, Boomer already alluded to, ethics matter. You know, as AI becomes more influential, understanding its societal impacts and ethical considerations becomes extremely important. So 
ethics matter. Any others? Don't listen to either of them. Be the first AI engineer with an OnlyFans page. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see your AI feet pics. I, so I've seen ads for this on like TikTok and Instagram. The replica AI, which is like an AI girlfriend or whatever. It's like, ah, oh, you could have a girlfriend that's AI that talks to you and sends you nudes. And I'm like, fucking what? Like, so kind of like Boomer said, right? It can, it's not a replacement for humans, right? Sure, it can get human-like, right? You can get kind of that satisfaction, but don't, don't neglect the need to be around other people. We are a social animal, and right? we have to be around other people. Even your lone wolves, right, still need some social interaction. So don't forget about your human needs of being needing to be around other humans. Don't get so lost in the sauce. Only fans. All right. Well, <laughs> only fans. Only fans. All right. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. So thank you all for tuning in uh, for our episode on artificial intelligence. Uh, if you enjoy our talks, please let your friends know. Uh, like, follow, subscribe to Banner Ops on your favorite streaming platform. 